from the Game Nashville Studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. That's a cross, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. The month of June is upon us. Like halfway through the year, almost. Well, we're getting there. We're close. Chris, the half mark to Christmas is coming. What I'm trying to say is welcome to the Predators official podcast. Episode 38 here on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton alongside Thomas Willis of NashvillePredators.com. Oh Summertime's my. here. Oh, my. Oh, my. What chaos. What chaos. I'm pretty sure July 1st is essentially the midpoint of the year, but, I mean, we have moved on and... <laughs> Wow. I mean, at the end of our last episode, I mentioned it being closing the month of May, but technically it was June 1st when that aired on 1025 The Game, so I well, messed that up. We're just, we don't know what day it is. When we talk about July 1, this month is going to fly by. Yeah, it really The is. draft is coming, development camp at the end of the month, that leads right into free agency. Before you know it, it's August. Prepare yourself for some maths. We're two, maths. We're two weeks from the draft. We sure are. Two weeks. And again... At that draft, not only will the Predators have the 24th overall pick in the first round, but that's when you'll expect to see movement of some kind. Maybe not from the Preds. Someone's getting traded on draft weekend. It always happens. And then that leads right into the free agency conversations leading up to July 1. We are that close. There's a lot happening. The rumor mills are flying. We'll discuss that. We're not near the midpoint of the year. I I can't (laughs) commit to that, but we are near the NHL draft in Vancouver. My birthday's coming up. We're near to that as well. <laughs> and your birthday eventually. Still we'll get, not at the midpoint of the year. We'll get there. Coming up on this lovely, beautiful, magnificent episode, the rumor mill starting to fly, starting to turn. There's lots going on out there. We'll touch on it. Uh, the Predators, their first move of the offseason, hiring a new assistant coach, Dan Lambert. Welcome to the club. We'll discuss his hiring. And oh, by the way, we're going to call him here in just a moment. We'll see. I've heard that he's going to be driving in a car somewhere. We've Hopefully had... he's prepared for us to call him. <laughs> we'll find out once I, we do. I think he's ready. Okay. We've okay. talked We've talked to him already, talked to him earlier in the week. He's a great guy, so happy to welcome him to the family, and we'll have more with him in just a moment. The Stanley Cup final continues as well. The Bruins and the Blues, as we record this on Thursday, all evened up at 2-2. So this is our last episode of the hockey season, right? Like the Stanley Cup final cannot still be going on by the time we record Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. So this so is game it. Game five, Thursday. Game six, Sunday. Game seven, Wednesday. So Wednesday. This, this, is yeah, it. this is it. We'll know who wins the next time we talk to you. Maybe we are to the midpoint of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the push for it. So we talked about Dan Lambert. Let's just go ahead and get into it. By um, the way, Dan Lambert. Not Lambert. Yeah. Lambert. Just to clear that up with everyone. Well, I mean, which, fa- which is fine to say because Lane Lambert once coached sure. the Nashville Predators. So I could sense the confusion there. Um, I hope when this news broke, at least one person out there in this little old world of ours said, man, the Preds hiring an additional coach to help the power play? I heard about that first on the Preds official <laughs> podcast. You know, I just, just one. I just need one, you know. So, um, yeah, I saw some confusion about that initially when it was announced, like, oh, do we have to get rid of a coach now? And we talked about that on this show, that the Predators actually had a smaller staff than most NHL teams do, that – there's some teams that even have more than three assistant coaches. Not that I'm saying no. the Preds are going to hire another one um, in the near future, but even that um, at just getting three, they have two Dan's, three assistant coaches. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We were joking the other day, like, how does it work out on the bench? Like, 
not necessarily that everyone's on the bench because you sometimes have guys from up above, like, for example. Your eye on the sky. Yeah, Preds Golton and coach Ben Vanderklok will sit in the press box and then at home sits in the GM box with David Poyle and has can radio down to the bench, that sort of thing. So you don't necessarily even have all your assistant coaches on the bench. Um, again, video coach Lawrence Filoni, who we've talked about on this show. So, But that was kind of the pathway that we presented for this Predators team to fix what was probably their number one issue last season, and that was the power play. And, man, the numbers are pretty good for Dan Lambert and his work with the man advantage. It, by the way, if you are one of the people who thought, gosh, I heard tweet that us, on I'll the give, I'll give you a prize. Tweet it. You just <laughs> lied to me, you know? <laughs> Shout out to you if that was you. But So who is this guy? Who is Dan Lambert? So he's leaving his job as head coach of the Spokane Chiefs in the Western Hockey League, part, of course, of the Canadian Hockey League, the top junior league in Canada, the place where a lot of NHL players come from. So he's been the bench boss out there in Spokane for two seasons. He's also been an assistant with the Buffalo Sabres for one year, a head coach with their AHL affiliate, the Rochester Americans, and he started coaching back in Kelowna in the WHL, a place where he uh, coached Preds forward Colton Sissons mm-hmm. for a number of years. He has also coached Dante Fabro on the international stage with Team Canada. In the release that came out on Tuesday, Predators general manager David Poyle said, quote, Dan is an experienced, passionate coach and will nicely round out our coaching staff in 2019-20 and beyond. Having enjoyed a lengthy career as a player and now a coach, he has had success at every level running the power play. And we look forward to adding his knowledge and insight in this area to the organization. You said his specialty is the power play. The numbers are pretty darn good. Under his guidance, Spokane's power play led the WHL last season. A 29.1% clip, 81 for 278 on the season. That was the second highest across the entire Canadian Hockey League. And in Spokane's 15 playoff games last season... A spot where the Predators, as you re- we all remember, mm-hmm. did not score a single goal on the power play in the playoffs. Spokane, in those 15 postseason games, 13 for 36 to click at 36.1%. That Whew. led the WHL as well. The man knows what he's doing with Give the man advantage. Yep. He did the same thing in Buffalo. Took Buffalo's power play mm-hmm. from a, mm-hmm. a bottom-of-the-league position and brought them right up into the middle 12th, range. 12th, I think, 12th, was I the believe. number. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Preds were 10th that year, incidentally. Uh, but I would just go back to saying, remember that it was Kevin McCarthy who was managing the power play for the majority of the season. You saw Dan Muse step in, and we talked about that on this show. Peter Laviolette, the head coach, went through the whole gamut of, we tried this, we did this, we mixed up these things. And it really had become a, a mental issue at that point. A lot of times for the Preds, Brian Boyle, uh, Preds forward, saying that you don't even recognize it out loud, but it's just in the back of your mind and you can't show a weakness in the NHL because you're going up against a top penalty kill, and they will attack you, and it just makes it worse and worse and worse. Dan Muse, when he first got here, made the Preds PK even better and had it into the top 10 in the league. I would suspect that his focus goes back to that, back to his roots on defensive forward play. That's essentially not that he was brought here solely to do that, but he was a great penalty kill coach. In college at Yale, they always have one of the top kills. Yeah, I think that's the primary reason. I think you then see Dan Lambert go to the power play. Maybe he dabbles in offense as well. And then you have a Peter Laviolette, once an NHL defenseman, and then Kevin McCarthy, the same thing. Maybe they work more on the defense and how that goes together. 
Um, Dan Lambert also an NHL defenseman. <laughs> there you go. So, again, we'll hear his thoughts on what he's already thinking about this Preds power play in our next segment. But for me, I think it'll be interesting to see just, just the new voice, just the new way of attacking things, how much that can make a difference. Because we do suspect that some of the personnel will change, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Is Matt Duchesne on the Preds power play next season? Who knows? But I think primarily you're getting the same guys. So it's the same guys who have been in these positions for the last few years. How do you get more out of them? How do you change what they do? How do you affect their first mindset? And again, I plan on asking Dan this question in our next segment, but there was a video going around of him talking about a time when he was coaching a power play, and it was this was in juniors, and his team acquired uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who like... <laughs> one of the best NHL players right now, very talented. Anyways, I'll cut to the chase on this, but they basically had a power play that was like 30-something percent, a lot like he had at Spokane. It was Spokane. fantastic, yeah. And they were like, well, now that we've got Dreisaitl, we legitimately might have a 50% power play. We're going to score every other time. And yet it got worse. And so he talked about how you change that around and how even sometimes just the confidence aspect of sports. I know you want to gloss over it and you want to just look at the analytics, but sometimes there are – a multitude of factors that go into something and even just the one power play, let's say you have three of them in a game or whatever, not as easy to boil down or to fix or to solve as, as you might want it to be. Well, and you brought up the other key point too, that I think is important to remember that yes, he is going to help with the man advantage. That is his specialty. That is one of the main reasons the predators brought him in, but it's another voice too. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing. You mentioned there are the predators are one of the, I don't have an exact number on this, but there are a lot of teams that have more than three guys on the bench or yeah. more than three or four assistant coaches. We've seen some of the morning skates with other teams that come <laughs> in. It seems like there's a player to coach one to one ratio yeah, right. sometimes. I right. mean, there's there's a lot of teams that have a lot of different guys in in the coaching room, and I don't think that's a bad a bad thing to have whatsoever either. And then this is a guy in Dan Lambert who has been around the game. He's a very knowledgeable person. He played for 19 seasons. He's played in the NHL, in the minors, mm -hmm. overseas in Europe. He's coached at all these different levels of the game as well as an assistant, as a head coach. You're getting a pretty great hockey mind coming in here as well. And I wanted to bring up the point about Dan Muse because I think some of our listeners probably heard that he was in charge of the power play at the end of the season, and they're all of a sudden viewing like, well, he was a failure. Like, why did we hire him? He's not fixing everything. That wasn't even the position he was supposed to be in. So I think there is historical evidence on the Preds of hiring a coach on a lower league than the NHL, having him step into his first year and succeed. Dan Muse did that with a penalty kill. And he I came think, right from the United States Hockey League with Chicago. Yeah, and I think you could very much see the same thing happen with Dan Lambert. And on this podcast, when we talked to head coach Peter Laviolette earlier in this season, it's still one of the things that he said stuck out to me. He said, this is him talking to David Poyle. He said, I need a new coach, and I know I want these things. I want him to be younger than me. I want him to be hungrier than me. I want him to have new ideas that aren't tainted by this NHL. I want him to have all these different things, and I want that added onto my staff. For all intents and purposes, it seems like the Preds have they have the potential to hit another home run because they're getting the same thing in Dan Lambert. We will talk to the man himself when we come back on the POP. Preds assistant coach Dan Lambert will join us next. You're listening to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis back alongside. 
We're joined now by the newest member of the Nashville Predators family, assistant coach Dan Lambert, kind enough to join us via phone. He's he's driving outside of Calgary right now, correct, Coach? That is correct, yes. I'm trying to weave my way uh, out of town. <laughs> and and you were there for a special occasion? Yes, I was. My, uh, my daughter, actually, my middle daughter, just graduated from uh, nursing school, so... Ah, congrats to her. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. So you're you're headed back. Well, it's been a whirlwind couple of days for you then. The graduation happens on Thursday. On Tuesday, the Predators announced that you are joining as an assistant coach. So congratulations on that. And I, we mentioned, we talked to you earlier in the week. There's a story on NashvillePredators.com that you're kind enough to speak with us for. But you and your wife actually took a vacation to Nashville just a few weeks ago, and the Predators had not even reached out to you yet. Yeah, we uh, we had been wanting to go to Nashville for a holiday for a couple of years, and it just didn't work out, didn't pan out. And uh, this year after our season, we're like, that's it. Let's just book it. Let's go. And, and we did. And, uh, man, we had a blast. So getting back into the NHL, you were with the Sabres, I guess, three-ish years ago at this point. Was that always the goal? And what are the feelings now that you're back in uh, hockey's top league? Well, yes, it was always my goal. I, I think I, I do want to coach at the highest level possible. and, and uh, But I, I wanted to make sure that the the if I got another opportunity, that it was going to be the, the right one. And uh, after meeting with um, David Poyle and Lavi and, and the whole hockey staff, um, it certainly felt right. I know that you mentioned earlier in the week when we spoke that You've had a great family atmosphere there in Spokane, and you kind of felt that same atmosphere here in Nashville when you were speaking and, and interviewing with different people. What what do you mean by that? What makes you say that you felt that atmosphere, and how important is that, do you think, in a hockey club? Well, you know, um, as, as organizations, I think um, when you look at Nashville and, and everything they've accomplished, um, you know, from day one, you know, they have a lot of um, loyalty. It certainly seems that way. Um, you know, uh, David Poyle has been there for since day one. And, and I think, um, you know, I imagine his vision of, of what he wanted to accomplish when it came to, um, you know, having this organization. Uh, well, obviously, win a Stanley Cup is always the ultimate goal. But, but just to create that family atmosphere, um, you know, I think he – has accomplished that, um, and not just him, but also his, his coaching staff, I think. Um, and ironically, a couple of players have called me, and uh, and they also have said how close this team is and how really it's a, it's a family atmosphere. And, um, that you know, all those things are really important for me. Dan, I want to go back to what you said uh, a couple minutes ago in that you wanted this NHL team to be the right one. So, so why are the Preds the right one? And what – or at least your impressions now of David Poyle and Peter Laviolette and the rest of the staff. Why did you want to join them? Um, I think when you when you look for you know the right situation, I, I think you're you're what well what I was looking for was people first, and um, you know I, I don't think the Preds are are a team that's that far away from from getting to their ultimate goal, which is Stan, uh, winning a Stanley Cup, and. Um, and then, you know, talking to, to Lavi and and, uh, and Dan Muse and Lawrence, you know, I, I think that 
just the way that they interact and the way that they work together is is the type of staff that I love to have, um, you know, where you just take everybody's ideas and then um, Flavi, um, you know, makes the, the ultimate decisions. And those are all ways or, or things that really um, caught my eye and, and uh, really piqued my interest. And then, uh, you know, luckily they, like I said, they, they did offer me the job. You said you ha- you've had a couple of players reach out, and you do know a couple of the Predators players as well, namely Colton Sissons, who you had for a number of years there in Kelowna in the WHL when you were coaching as he was coming up through the junior ranks. What do you remember about coaching Sis and, and just how you saw him develop over the years as a player into the extremely reliable NHL player that we all know today? Well, uh, Colton uh, came to us as a 17-year-old, and, and right away we could see his leadership qualities and, and uh, just his, uh, his coachability was off the charts for a, a young player. Um, and he was a great teammate. Everybody respected him right from the get-go. Uh, we named him captain as an 18-year-old, and, and that's always a, you know, a real hard beat for a young man. But he, he took that and he ran with it. And by the time uh, he left us uh, after his 19-year-old year, uh, I, would, I would strongly say that he was a great captain, a great leader, and a great teammate. And uh, when you think about the Kelowna Rockets and, and uh, you know the forwards that have forwards that have come out of there. I mean, certainly he's he's one of the main characters that uh, they talk about when it comes to leadership. We're speaking with Preds assistant coach Dan Lambert here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Dan, I don't want to bury the lead too much. The word, the two words, power play, were mentioned a whole lot in the press release, and then just in the the days since you were hired. So. At the outset, what is your philosophy? Why are you drawn to the power play? Like, why did you think um, that's what's defined you as you start this role with the Preds? Well, I think probably got to go back to my playing days, maybe a little bit. Um, I was an offensive defenseman. Um, part of my game as a player was, um, you know, was to quarterback the power play. So it's always been. Um, a, as a player, my job, and I guess I could say my passion. Um, and then every team I've, I've coached or I've been a part of the coaching staff, um, that has been my role. And uh, it is something that I enjoy. It's something that I feel like I, I can help. Um, and, you know, as far as my philosophies, I mean, um, you know, I'm, I've got to get to know the personnel first and foremost. But at the end of the day, I feel like um, it, it's really important to have a, a – the correct mindset and, and when I talk about that I you know power plays that, that sit back and try to look for cuteness uh, often aren't very successful and um, my mindset is to try to get the players to buy into just attacking and making sure that um, you know everybody's interchangeable making sure that we're predictable to each other and not to the opposition um, so you know those kinds of uh, philosophies and and uh, but first and foremost, you do need players to buy in. And, and uh, from what I, I understand, the character of the individuals on the Predators team, uh, that should not be an issue. On this show and then on a various other forms of uh, media, we've debated you know, what was wrong with the Preds' power play this season, what could have been fixed, all those sorts of things. And 
And one of the answers that Brian Boyle gave, which I thought was insightful, was that sometimes it is as simple as the confidence because he, of course, being a newcomer toward the late part of the season, was able to speak to that and said, like, as soon as you show that there's a spot in your armor, the opposition's penalty kill is just going to attack you and destroy you and it just builds and builds and builds and it just gets worse when you have this thing hanging over your head knowing you can't score on the power play. So, A, I'd be curious if you would speak to that. And then, B, I, I watched a video clip with you in it this week talking about a power play experience you had where it was just clicking and then you traded for even better players, one of them being Leon Dreisaitl, and, and it seemed like the staff and the players were like, well, great, we'll just convert at 50% now. And you were saying, well, that's not always the case, kind of as uh, like you were alluding to in your last answer. So I guess speak to those two things, if you will. So confidence is a big thing. And, and uh, I have been part of teams where, you know, it just kind of weighs on players. It almost like um, they're not looking forward to jumping over the boards because they, they don't believe in in what is what either they're doing or what is, you know, um, and they have the, the wrong mindset. So I would agree with Ryan Boyle that confidence is a huge, huge thing. And, and often, um, you know, just just the confidence or – or a, a couple of good breaks, and it's amazing how quickly it could change. Um, but um, when those changes aren't happening and frustration sets in, it makes it for it can make it for a real tough challenge. Um, in saying that, I, I think that when you you look at the Preds personnel, um, the pieces are there, and I, I just think that um, you know it's gonna it's gonna take some time. But I believe that if the players buy into um, a certain mindset, and the mindset isn't really that far off from from how they play five on five. But for some reason, when it got to the power play, they had a different mindset, and we just need to to tweak that a little bit. And, and uh, I think things will will uh, change quickly. Well, if the puck starts going in the net on the power play, you'll certainly feel the energy in Bridgestone Arena. And you've done that once before when you came through as an assistant coach with the Buffalo Sabres. And I remember you said to me a couple days ago when we spoke earlier in the week that you you almost had chills being on the bench and, and experiencing that because it's really something that you don't see in a lot of other rinks around the NHL, I feel like. So what what do you think about being on the home side now and being able to, to help contribute to, to that energy and that atmosphere in that building now? Um, I am – I can't be more excited. Uh, I've never been this excited about a season and about the opportunity that – that is uh, staring us right in the face. I mean, we're not that far away, and I'm 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 thrilled. Um, I feel so privileged to have been given this opportunity, and I I just think that you know, um, I mean, when you look at the team, uh, I think sky's the limit, and uh, you know, a few percentage points uh, higher, a few lucky breaks here and there, and, and uh, you know, the Preds are right there. Well, Dan, we know that you do a great job with the power play. We also know that you love country music, so you're coming to the right spot for both things, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for doing this, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here in Nashville and uh, at development camp at the end of the month, and we'll go from there. But thank you again for taking the time on your travels. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys, and thanks for taking it easy on me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good, <laughs> good. I, I was wondering what the verdict would be, so taking it easy. All right, that works. Thanks, Dan. <laughs>
Thank you. Up next, we'll discuss the Stanley Cup final and the summertime rumor mill is starting to churn. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Segment three of the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. For more, please go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast where you can rate, subscribe, and listen to past episodes. Thomas Willis, Brooks Braden, both of us of NashvillePredators.com. The strains of a new Avicii album fade away. Boy, did we fall in love with that song today. So I was saying to Sandy Weaver, who used to work for the Preds, there's no way she's listening to this, so she'll never hear that shout out. But fellow anyway, Ginger. fellow Ginger, um, she messaged me because I put the song on my Instagram story, and she was saying, "You know, always, always good to see when things get serious." And Thomas pulls a Brooks and posts about a song on his Instagram story, and I said, "Well, the reason I did it was because I heard and knew about the song before Brooks, so I was kind of rubbing in his face a little bit." So, plus Chris Martin sings on it. Plus Chris Martin sings on it. So you'll get to hear um, my second favorite song from this album. In the next segment. That so song. If for like, no other reason you keep the radio on right now, there's a few seconds of another Avicii song coming up in about 14 minutes. I hope you enjoyed that little blurb. Yeah. We've got plenty of hockey to talk about still as we roll along here. Too much. Let's get right into it. Stanley Cup final. As we record this on Thursday afternoon, tied 2-2, so we don't know what's going to happen in Game 5, of course. Wish we had that capability. We don't. But as we said at the top... By the time we talk to you next, there mm-hmm. will be a Stanley Cup champion. Crazy. Who's it going to be? Yeah. I mean, there's there's been, you want to talk about a lack of momentum. There's been zero momentum in this series. And Coach LaViolette has said it before in, in postseason past with the Predators. Of course, when you have a big win in the playoffs, oh, do you, do you carry the momentum? How does that work? He's like, I don't believe in momentum in the playoffs at all. And that statement yeah. is completely holding true right now between the, the Bruins and the Blues. And I think it's good and bad in the Stanley Cup final in particular because you have the extra day added for travel. So you've got even more time between these games. And on the on the good side, well, you've got time to really reset, flush it, and move on. Okay, who cares if we lost? It's a full new game. doesn't matter what happened. On the bad side, well, you have to talk about your errors and why you lost for an additional day. So you're right. And all the eyes of the hockey world are on this series. So you'll have one game finish and the next day you could read 25 articles on why the Bruins second line did not step up in the second period. And it's like 25 things on just that one topic, you know? Um, Yeah. I I was saying that I I was torn, but before this series, I think the Bruins, when they've won, have looked dominant. So that makes you perhaps give a little more confidence to them. But we'll see. I mean, Zidane Chara and his injury issues, he's got to push through things. It seems like the injury bug has hit the Bruins a little bit more than it has the Blues. Um, so we'll see. I think I'd pick the Bruins still, because that's what I said before the series. But these teams are so evenly matched. I think it's pretty clear. Um, so, yeah, absolutely the Blues could win. That would not shock me. As a hockey fan, I'd love to see seven. I mean, who doesn't want Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final? Just the fact that we got our first overtime in three years yeah. in the Stanley Cup Final, and that was great. I, I always joke to you, like, if you're a player, you need to be more focused on that. But if you're a fan of a team, and your team is in Game 7 overtime of the Stanley Cup Final, I just, your mind would be wrecked. I how just do don't, I don't even know how you deal with that. Like, I just don't even know how you process that. And... and for me, when the Preds went to the final in 2017, this is a bit of an aside here, but 
I will always think of the team that finishes second now far more than I ever had before. I remember watching the World Series just a few months later. I think it was the Dodgers that lost the Astros that year. I am not a baseball guy, so if it was not 2017, <laughs> don't tweet at me. Look I do not. I do not care. Oh, I, mean, I just I think this was the thing because it stuck out to me. So this is a few months later yep. after the Preds had lost, and like my first thought when the Astros won was, oh, the Dodgers, like they did all this. You know. And there were rumors. I think the staff was even being flown to the games and all these things. Like again, but that's what makes sports so great. So forever, especially in that game seven scenario, just to know, oh, it doesn't make any sense. Like no. we could have just done this to win it. So yeah, I, I'd be down for seven. I'm not. I'm not too. <laughs> I'm not too invested in either one of the teams. We don't have to be stressed out yeah, about it like not? we were in 2017. Well, and you mentioned Zdeno Chara too, as if we didn't already know hockey players are tough. I know he's got he's got a broken jaw. The, guy, and the man is skating before game five. I. Again, we don't know if he's going to play or not later on this evening when they do play game five. But if I'm a betting man, he's playing. He, like, he right. can't even talk. Couldn't like he, speak. Like, he took yeah. questions from – he was nice enough to say, yes, I will take a couple of questions and and Bruins PR can help me yeah. and the AP can put them out for you. Yeah, he, he's going to play. He's going to play. All right, let's shift more to some Preds focus. That is the purpose of this Preds official podcast last time I checked. Um, so the rumors have continued to percolate and maybe build even – in this point of the season in which rumors are just flying more than ever, and that will continue up until probably July 2nd, to be honest. But sure. but anyways, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, friend of show, um, again reiterating that it appears Nashville and Montreal and then probably Columbus in the third spot are the three top destinations for Matt Duchesne. But the kicker would be he then has reported as well if he had to pick, he would put Nashville in the number one spot. So a dream on that for a second. Why, if that does come to be, why would that be the right move for the Preds? Why would it not be? Well, I th- we've mentioned it on this program before as well, that if the Preds were to do something like that, you're going to have to do something with the salary cap because you're not yeah. going to sign Matt Duchesne for less than six, seven, eight million dollars yeah. at least. At least seven. So, so that's that's the thing that the predators are going to have to continue to deal with, and and that's what they're planning for, and they always are right now. Is okay if we think we have a legitimate shot at this player, and this is a player that we want. How do we go about making that happen? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's when the rumor mill starts flying. And we've we've heard we've seen other people on social media, on Twitter, namely some of the the top insiders saying that that they're hearing that the talk right now is really about as hot as it ever has been at this point in the summertime leading into the draft. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of chatter going on out there. That doesn't mean that things are going to necessarily materialize, but that at least means that a lot of teams are checking in on other options out there and vice versa. And it usually means that, uh, again, as well at the draft, when all 31 general managers are literally in the same 200 by 85 foot space Mm -hmm. that, they're going to get together. They're going to chat. And if things don't go down at the draft itself, then that kind of paves the way, at least in the in the coming days, for things to potentially happen. I would say that I'm generally a believer in where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to NHL rumors. When it's coming from a, a big international guy like yes. a Ellie Friedman, a Pierre Lebrun who we had on a few weeks ago. But I would add to that or a pin to that, but you also have to put on your infrared goggles sometimes, meaning this. There's no question that... Matt Duchesne has enjoyed his visits to Nashville. He likes country music. So you you have to sort through the rumors a bit and think to yourself, well, are they 
going from A to B just because he likes Nashville and it makes sense to them and that's really happening? Or are, are there actual insight from an agent or a rumor out there or, or something to report through that? So, yeah, I mean, I think the Duchesne to Nashville thing makes a lot of sense. Doesn't mean it will happen. Doesn't mean that it won't. So we'll see. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but I think truly the Preds would have their best one-two punch at center with Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne if that were to be the case. And you outlined the negative very well. The angle of that would be you can't, you've got to make a change to your roster. You can't have all the same guys that you had last year and add on Matt Duchesne. So that's where it becomes an interesting wrinkle uh, when you add on his salary. Do you get rid of the wrong player? Like, do you just clear cap space and, you know, not improve your team in the way that you thought that you would? That's what's, that's what we'll be debating for the rest of the summer, I'm sure. So we'll see. Um, this is a side note here, but I don't think this will occur, but we did see Kevin Hayes of the Winnipeg Jets get traded to the Philadelphia Flyers for a fifth-round pick. And that that would kind of became a thing that I want to say David Poyle almost started in a way. I remember 07, which you've been able to read a lot about this on the Preds website, back when the team was going through some struggles, could be moved, and GMDP was told you need to get rid of some assets. You need to get lower to the salary cap. You need to get closer to the floor. And he had to, he didn't want to, but had to get rid of Scott Hartnell and Kimo Team and he traded them for a first round pick to the Philadelphia Flyers in order for the Flyers, I mean, the Flyers are involved in both these scenarios, <laughs> um, to get early access to negotiating with these UFAs. And they, of course, ended up signing both of them. That, I think, has dissipated some in recent years because of that window that we've now announced um, right after the draft leading up to the July 1st. But you see the logic from the Flyers. So I'd be curious to see. I'm not saying Matthew Shane's the one, but do we see that happen again? Now that the Flyers have resurrected it a bit, do we see a few guys over this next two weeks? Do we see them get moved because for the negotiating rights purposes of it? Because if you think about it from a Preds perspective, that would make sense. If I knew I've got this guy re-signed, well, then that allows me to go ahead and make the right moves on I've got to get rid of this guy for salary cap reasons or X, Y, and Z because I don't think you want to get in a situation where you've signed, you're over the cap. Well, then other, all the 30 other GMs, they're really smart and they have their jobs for a reason, and it's going to turn into, well, I don't want that guy for that. I mean, I can get him for this. I can get him for far less because I know you have to make a move. You have to get rid of him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, only two weeks to the draft, which is crazy to say. Yeah. So. I think we see something else happen before we get to that point. Well, and I think it's important to clarify, too, on the Kevin Hayes-type situation. You think, Kevin Hayes for a fifth-round pick? How does that make sense? Well, to clarify, so yeah, he's yeah. a UFA, right? So Winnipeg knows, okay, we're not going to be able to re-sign him. Philadelphia, in that sense, is saying, we really like him. We want the first crack at that. Because if they didn't trade for him, they wouldn't be able to talk to a player like that until June 23rd, a week <laughs> before free agency opens up, right? So they're saying we want the exclusive negotiating rights. So they have from now until whenever Kevin Hayes signs his deal with them or anyone else to speak exclusively to him, they think giving up a fifth-round pick is worth those exclusive mm -hmm. negotiating rights. And it makes sense yeah, from, a, from a standpoint. If you're the Flyers and you're like, we can get Kevin Hayes and talk to him for a month and try to convince him to sign and try to work out a deal, that's maybe worth the a fifth-rounder. That Let's face it, a fifth-rounder, the likelihood of them playing in the NHL maybe isn't that great to begin with. Yeah, no, you, good clarification. Right, early access to negotiate. I, I think there was some confusion I saw. Oh, man. Kevin Hayes got traded for a fifth-round pick? What a steal. Well, well, yes, but no. He's going to be free agent on July the 1st. So, yeah, that early access to negotiate. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be interesting as we get down to it. Speaking of, Eric Carlson had successful groin surgery. The San Jose Sharks said he will probably be the top defenseman out there on the free agency market, it appears. 
So if, if he gets there, if he he's, gets there. he's taking a long, hard yeah. look at staying with San Jose, Montreal, and Tampa Bay are also two teams rumored <laughs> to be inter- rumored to be interested. And then Patrick Marlowe in, in Toronto, the Leafs are rumored to be looking mm-hmm. at moving him. I think they've said potentially now every California team is, is interested, maybe not going back to San Jose, but the Kings and the Ducks appear to potentially be interested in Patrick Marlowe. So that is one certainly there to watch because the Leafs, they've got Austin Matthews locked up, but yep. they've got things coming up. They're going to have to worry about Mitch Marner. They've got William Nylander. They just went through uh, the whole saga last year with as well Nylander, yeah. with Nylander. So, the, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot going on there in Toronto as well. It all goes through the philosophy of you don't necessarily, like it's not about getting that trade deadline acquisition, like nailing the right guy at the, at the right time and just everything falls into place and you win the Stanley Cup. A lot of times it is maintaining your window, as it's called a lot of times, putting the best product on the ice for a period of years because the Stanley Cup playoffs are so difficult and the sport of hockey can be so fluky. You just have to give it your best shot for five, six years and hope that your cup comes in that time. So you see that from the Leafs. Like it, on the one hand, seems like their window's just opening with all these young guys. But on the other hand, you're forced to make some moves because of salary cap. So the Preds on that too a little bit. And the, the Patrick Marlowe thing's a little bit interesting in that it's a little bit family motivated as well. I think he wants to get back closer to his family in California as well. So it's not as if the Leafs are like, we want to get rid of Patrick Marlowe. He's been fantastic for them. Um, so, but we'll see. It looks like he will not play that third year with them in Toronto. Um, let's get to your Twitter questions up in the next segment. You can hear that Avicii song as well here <laughs> on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025, the game and streaming right now on the game Nashville app. We'll be right back in just a moment. It's the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. For more, go to nashvillepreds.com slash podcast where you can rate, subscribe, and listen to past episodes. Thomas Willis, Brooks Bratton, Josh Upton is our producer. The NHL draft is in two weeks. What else is in two weeks, young Brooks Bratton? Well, that's the Craft Beer Festival, ah, Presented Thomas by Willis. Legion, of course, the seventh annual put on by the Nashville Predators Foundation. So the proceeds will go back to help nonprofits and alike in the Middle Tennessee area. So great work the Preds Foundation does. And again, like I said, you can watch the draft in the morning. You can attend the Preds Beer Fest later that afternoon. Go to nationalpreds.com slash beer to check out more about it. Tickets are still available, so get your spot. It's always a great time. They call it the coolest beer fest in town. I think they do so with a wink as well because you get to be inside. Out of the heat, the sweltering, and it's on top humidity. of a, it's on top of a hockey rink. I mean, you may see what they did there. They've been doing it for seven years, so I think they're <laughs> running with the same recipe. Here's our offer to you as well, though. If you want to get tickets, of course, confirm your entry into the beer fest. Go for it. If you want to take a shot at winning two tickets to attend this very same event, let us know on Twitter who you would take: a celebrity, a friend, alive or dead. Just who you would take to the beer fest with you and why put that out on Twitter using hashtag Preds podcast and you'll be entered to win two tickets to the Predators craft beer festival. I'd like to see someone want to take like Abraham Lincoln to the beer fest. I mean, probably a great time. (laughs) (laughs) You would definitely end up being the talk of the town. Remember that guy? What was his name? I don't know, but he brought Abraham Lincoln. Four score and seven beers ago. You're using that again. Well, that's not a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) The other reason you you use hashtag Preds podcast is to get into the show with your Twitter questions. We had a slew of them last week. A few select this week, but they're of higher quality, I'll say. 
So we've got Misty first up. She wants to know any early thoughts, rumors, info on who the Preds could take with their first round pick. Again, that's 24th overall. Mm -hmm. Also, any info on the future Stars game, which would be uh, roughly a week after said NHL draft. So funny you should ask, Misty. I'm in the process right now of kind of going through the NHL Central scouting list, what players may or may not be there available at the 24th spot, identifying some forwards, some wingers, centers, some defensemen as well. So those previews will be coming out soon in the coming weeks leading up to the draft on NashvillePredators.com. But I'm, always I, but tempted, I don't, I'm always tempted to do the growl myself. Like, <laughs> you just like that cry was pretty it. good. That wasn't bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You're hitting home runs and growling and talking about Abraham Lincoln. Now that you've no. lost your train of thought. So I haven't actually, shockingly. Well done. So we will talk more about those players. I don't know that there's any one particular player, mm-hmm. though. Like I don't want to throw out an A and be like, yes, the Predators will take this guy. Because as we know... They're not necessarily in the market in the first round, at least. Like, we've got to take a forward. We've you have got to, to change take a your mindset. Yes. We want to take the best player available, the player judged by the Predator Scouts at that moment to be the best, the best available on the board. That's what they're going to do. But of course, they are identifying some different players. So as they are doing that, we are also doing that mm-hmm. on the website. So we will pick some players. Let you take a little bit of a preview of them. When we did it two or three years ago, by the way, we actually did mention Dante Fabra was one of our players that the Predators could Way potentially to go pick. Us. So pat ourselves on the back for that one. Yeah, so to that point, so you're not usually drafting a goaltender in the first round. Virtually nobody does that. So the Unless Preds, they're like really good, yeah. ridiculous Marc-Andre Fleury, class. first overall example. Carey I mean, Price. Yeah, so again, UC Stars was the fourth round, I think, and then Pecorino was the eighth round, which doesn't even exist anymore. It only goes to seven. So you can you can think with some level of confidence the Preds aren't taking a goalie at 24, but you're right. Is it a forward? Is it a defenseman? Because it's going to take three to four years before that guy's in the NHL, you're not necessarily thinking, well, we've got to do this to fill this hole like you would be in the NBA or the NFL. That's just not how it works. So because of that, you go best available. And I also think it would be a bit naive of us to say, yeah, they should get this guy at 24 when you don't know what's going to happen in the first 23 picks. So yeah. the Preds, of course, will need to see how uh, what the hand is that's dealt to them a bit before they then begin to roll. What's crazy to me is those later round picks, not only because they have a pretty good chance of making your roster as well someday, but that is when the draft just rolls. Again, yeah. unlike the NFL where you've still got like 10 minutes on the clock or something like that. Oh, my goodness. I, the first time I saw one in, for, in person, it's like three minutes or something like that. It is just rolling right along. And the, the, a lot of the NHL teams don't even use their full time. Yeah. And so, well, and then every once in a while, someone will take a timeout. Takes out a timeout, which is hilarious. But, but again, like that's when you really have to be prepared because yeah. that's all of a sudden things are changing and you're like, this is the guy. We, we've got to make the move. He won't be here at the next round. We've got to take a shot because we believe in him so much that even if maybe he'd still be available in 10 picks, he won't be available in 30 picks or whatever it is. So, like, we've, we've got to go get him. So, yeah. yeah. And then the future Stars game. So, it is set to be played at Ford Ice Center. We'll have more details about that. But it will be um, later that week after the draft occurs. So, you'll see the prospects come in. Many of the guys, hopefully, that were just drafted by the Preds as well as some other bigger names. Um, And then they'll be in Nashville that whole week. And then it'll be at the Ford Ice Center. So we'll see how that works. I don't want to commit to something right now. As you initially know, we don't have the 17,000-plus seats available at Bridgestone Arena. So I would assume it's going to be something season ticket citizen-related and how they RSVP. But 
I would also hope that we would stream it online on the Preds website. So you'll get to see it um, in one way or the other. Yeah, so Development Camp, as you mentioned, June 25th through 30th. So certainly be on the lookout for more info on that on the weeks to come. Alex wanted to know, do you think Dante Fabro gets top four D minutes next season? As a majority, no, I do not. Will it happen at some point? Absolutely, because there could be an injury or, or there could be power play time. Maybe he gets worked into that. And then I have to reserve my answer. Well, if there's a trade, if the Predators trade one of their top four defensemen, then yes, he would go into that. But in short, no. And, and I think that's the best thing for Dante Pabro. We saw it with Seth Jones in that it wasn't initially like he got tossed on the first pairing and they knew he was young and he was going to be great too. Um, but it just it it's best for an NHL defenseman at Dante Fabro's age usually to ramp up things a little bit slower, add in more responsibility, add in more minutes. I wouldn't want to put him in a role where I'm just like, bam, you're playing 18 minutes a night on the second pairing. So so I would lean toward no. Fair enough. Christopher, let's get into the important details. What are the new food options we can look forward to devouring next year at Bridgestone Arena? Maybe a Cracker Barrel for Robbie Stanley? <laughs> I'd be down for that too. We know Robbie would. Yeah. We don't. I, I don't know on the food yet. I mean, that usually comes rolls around in, in September or October yes. where it's always one of my favorite dates of the year. They're always like, here's all this free food that you yes. get to eat. And, and we get to post <laughs> pictures of it, pretend to be food critics for a short period oh, of time. Great. I can promise you that there will be several new offerings. I yes. can do say that uh, the Delaware North Corporation and then Levy, who are the main pr- food providers and concession stand providers at Bridgestone Arena, they're always concocting new and crazy things. Honestly, a lot how we approach content, we're like, play, fans <laughs> like players and puppies and trap. They're like, fans like bacon, macaroni and cheese and hamburger, you know, like so. Things that are fried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Delicious. Things get pretty crazy. So, and then, yes. Look for out. you vegans and gluten people out there, they are, those options are also available at bridgetermine.com. I well, did want to say that. Most of us are gluten people, the gluten-free, <laughs> gluten-free <laughs> <yeah>. option. <laughs> I love gluten. You gluten people. Do we ever. <laughs> hey, I wanted to mention real quick before we go. We've been doing a bunch of my story features <laughs> mm-hmm. on NashvillePredators.com. So it's been really cool getting to speak with a lot of folks in the Nashville media. Bob Mueller, Rudy Kalis, yeah. George Plaster. David Poyle has one out right now. Carl Dean, former mayor, speaking to him. More to come as well, talking about their memories of this franchise and where this team has come from day one all the way to what we have now. Some pretty cool stories from these people who have been around this team just about as close as anyone over the last 20 years. So make sure you check some of those out again. It's been really cool to speak with them, hear their stories, and and work with them to put these pieces together. Yeah, these guys, at least almost all of them, have been in Nashville for a long time, so they can uniquely speak to, here's what it was like in 1998, here's what it was like in 2007, and here's what I'm seeing now. So you're right. All those stories are worth checking out again. Especially especially for those of you maybe like myself who didn't grow up here. Yeah. It's been fantastic to hear some you, of those Right, stories. you don't even know this whole 2007 Save the Team um, initiative. So, yeah, pretty cool to check out. For Brooks Braddon, follow him at Brooks Braddon on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Preds NHL to see the top Preds content first, including Roman Yossi and Pierre Laviolette from the red carpet of the recent CMT Awards. So check that out there. Uh, This has been another episode of the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. For more, just go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. Thanks for Preds assistant coach Dan Lambert for putting his toe in the water and doing his first interview on the Preds Official Podcast. We really do appreciate that. Can't wait to see him in Nashville soon. Please rate and subscribe by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, wherever you get your top podcasts. We're there. Diligently, we have put our name out there, so please listen. We appreciate it. 
and I hope you have a great weekend. We're halfway through the year, Thomas. Almost. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 